0: This is Dr. Saba Marouf, and you are listening to Unsung Heroes, uncovering stories of inspiration and action here on Podcast Detroit. another episode of unsung heroes stories to inspire here on podcast detroit where our purpose is to share amazing stories and unique narratives of individuals who have been sparked by their passion to become movers, shakers and change makers in our communities and we really hope that by sharing these po- stories of positivity we will inspire you to live a life of purpose and action we've had some amazing past episodes Uh, I just want to welcome everybody back. We've talked to community activists, artists, writers, filmmakers, leaders, and each and every story has its own values and lessons, and I really encourage you all to check out our past episodes, listen, subscribe, leave a review, and really share, um, because our goal is really to build a diverse um, audience as well. But today I'm joined by my co-host, Calvin Moore.
1: Yes, I am here, and I just got to say, yeah, we've got a lot of cool episodes in the can, I still think we should call the show Dr. Saba Marouf and her really cool friends. But you're like, hey, it inspires you. These stories inspire. I got to tell you, I feel like all these stories, all these people doing amazing things just make me feel lazy sometimes. I'm like, well, I have a podcast. I talk to people. No. I talk to other people doing things. This well, I was
0: going to say, no, Calvin, you're a part of the reason why th- um, I'm just... You know, every week it's been just truly amazing, and thank you so much for being here. And your podcast is pretty cool, so everyone, please I'm, I'm check kidding. that out. I do
1: my own thing. I it's am doing amazing. Some stuff out it's a there, roundtable but,
0: discussion style and very deep conversations. And so, thank you for being here. And we're also joined by our uh, on the soundboard here, um, Jess, What's who's up, Jess? helping us. Hi. Thank you. <laughs> she just shut the door because we forgot to do that. We're recording, right? <laughs> I know. I always have to check with Calvin. Sometimes he's uh, filling in. But. <laughs> yes, we're recording. <laughs> um, yeah. So, But today, I'm very happy to introduce our unsung hero, Dr. Sasha Shilcutt. Hi, Sasha. Dr. Sasha. Hello. Hi. I'm so, so excited to be here. Thank you so much for being here. Um, now, truth be told, um, Sasha and I have actually never met IRL in real life but I am part we're both part of a tribe that she helped create online that has grown to include over 5,000 members of female doctors talking about self-care style self-confidence leadership um, all this being brave all this cool stuff and so I'm super excited to share her story and you know how she inspires um, you know hundreds of us um, every day and and that kind of leads me to the title of this episode, which is being brave enough. And we'll talk a little bit about why that's the, you know, that's what we're calling this episode. Um, but Dr. Sasha Shilcutt is a wife, mother of four, a physician. She's a clinical scientist, a national educator, writer, now blogger and speaker. So her day job is, and night job sometimes, many times, (laughs) is a cardiac anesthesiologist and associate professor, as well as a vice chair of strategy and innovation in the Department of Anesthesiology at the University of Nebraska Medical Center. And I don't know if you know the Sasha, but actually my dad is a retired anesthesiologist. So I always have a soft spot soft spot in my heart for, anesthesi- for anesthesia and anesthesiologists.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and it's her job to find the soft spot in, in a heart. <laughs> yes, <Yeah. laughs> to- <laughs> Keep it going.
0: I could go on and on about her academic and professional accolades. Um, She's an NIH-funded researcher through the National Institute of Aging. She sits on several national boards and holds national leadership positions in several professional organizations in both anesthesiology and echocardiography. Um, She's an award-winning leader in her field. But what we're going to talk about today is Sasha's greatest Passion, which is empowering and encouraging others, particularly other women, to achieve personal greatness in their professional and personal lives. And she speaks frequently to healthcare executives and physicians on the topic of professional burnout and resilience. She recently started a blog, um, www.becomebravenough.com, and she's going to be leading a conference in the fall for women physicians. Um, on, it's called becoming brave enough. Um, she writes about raising above, rising above self doubts, being the best you can be in all your roles, and work life integration. And recently, her articles on women in medicine, physician burnout, and self care have been published on Doximity and Kevin MD. Um, just just today, actually, one was published on Kevin MD. Um, so I'm super excited to have uh, have you here, Sasha. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy life as a physician mommy and Saving lives and writing, researching, everything. You were truly amazing, and I'm really excited to have this conversation with you today.
2: So thank you. Well, it's an honor to be here, so I'm really excited to chat.
0: Oh, awesome. And actually, I will say, too, this online tribe that we have, StyleMD, it's an intimate group. And I will say, when I had this idea of doing this podcast, I don't don't know if you know this, Calvin, but... um, I actually went to our group and our tribe and kind of threw this idea out there. And I don't know if you remember that, but everybody was super encouraging and really enthusiastic. And it really kind of helped me um, kind of take the plunge, too. So definitely have a a deep connection there. So, Sasha, if you can just, you know, we're going to talk about several things, but I guess if you just start... a little bit um, talking about your journey, not so much academically, but when you realized that your passion was teaching and motivating, um, particularly other physicians and women on empowerment, resilience, and burnout, and all the you know other amazing um, and important, very crucial things that um, you talk about.
2: Well, it's interesting because I uh, I was really excited when I heard that you were going to start this podcast and. Uh, I know that Calvin was an instrument, you know, he was kind of the match that lit the spark and said, Hey, you should do this. And, and I just want to thank him too, for recognizing, uh, something special in you and kind of giving you the push. So the push for me, um, came, uh, probably about two years ago after I went through a period of time where I felt like I was waking up every day and getting on the, you know, kind of the, the treadmill of life and, going through the motions, but I realized I had felt very, become very disconnected from my friends and from other female uh, friendships. And I was at a point in my life where I was trying to balance a busy career, a busy academic career, a busy home life, and I had lost uh, my ability to really connect with other uh, women socially um, or for encouragement and empowerment myself. And I r- recognized that I was empty <laughs> and I, I was trying to fill a void with all these other things um, that I think uh, for my own life, um, I, I know I need to fulfill by connecting and empowering other women. And so I just reached out to about 20 of my friends, um, some of which I had really lost track of just in the busyness of life. I think it's so easy to do that. And I said, you know, I'm just going to start sending out a text message every other day to uh, our group. If you want to be in the text group, let me know. And I'm going to just send something out to encourage us because, I know I need it, and um, I wonder if you guys want to do this. So that's how it started, um, and it got to the point where all of our husbands and family members were like, can y'all get off the phone? Because it's kind of getting crazy. <laughs> Your phones are, like, buzzing every two seconds, and it's super annoying. <laughs> so I opened up a Facebook group, and at the same time, I was really looking around and noticing that my own self-care, um, my ability to get up and exercise every day, my ability to dress professionally, my ability to go do things that really make me a woman like um in my own femininity like you know get my nails done or go to the spa or you know put on lipstick as silly as it sounds i had really dropped those things because i was trying to succeed in a male dominated field and i felt like i had to be less of who i was and so i really just started encouraging women in the group number 1 to to embrace the fact they're women stop trying to frustrate yourself by leading as a man and take care of yourself. And so that Facebook group started and it just exploded. And when I um, talk to my friends who have stayed with me for 20 years through this whole process of, you know, education and becoming a physician and marriage and motherhood and all those things wrapped into one. they they all say the same thing. They're like, Sasha, you've been doing this for 20 years. You've just actually now figured out a way to take it to a broader audience. And so while I started the group to encourage others, I can honestly tell you that this, this tribe of women and this network, um, of voices that encourage and empower each other and spark kind of like what Calvin did when he said, you've got to do this Saba. Um, It encourages me. I mean, it's like plugging in and getting charged. And I, I am so excited to now have a platform that just is kind of for all women, not just physician women. And that's what I'm really excited about.
1: So, so talk to us about uh, the online community a little bit and, and what you've learned about women's physicians, What are some of the common challenges and struggles that you've observed uh, that that many are facing? Not just yourself, but you know other women uh, who are doctors and physicians uh, coming along, saying, "Oh my gosh, that's that's my story too." What are some of those uh, stories that you've and, and some of the common challenges?
2: I think the number one challenge that the online community has recognized is isolation. I think most women physicians or women professionals, if I can extrapolate it to a larger audience feel like they work and live in a silo and their internal dialogue that they tell themselves every day or that when they feel um, maybe uh, some bias or some discouragement in their workplace, they have an internal dialogue with themselves that they feel that they are the only one that are struggling with this or they are the only one that you know didn't get this promotion or they're the only one struggling with imposter syndrome. And what this community has really shown me is that women of all, uh, all race, all ethnicity, all age, and all levels of professional development, whether you're an instructor and you're just starting out as, in your job in medicine or your career or whether you're a, a dean, the, the voices in, that you that are in your head, that internal dialogue, and the battles you face every day, are very similar. And we actually have more in common with one another than we have um, unlike each other. And so, common things like waking up and, and thinking, "Gosh, you know, do I speak up in the meeting today, or do I stay silent? Do I um, do I go for this promotion? Do I not? Do I?" Am I spending enough time with my family members? Am I spending enough time on myself? Am I, should I feel guilty for doing X, Y, Z? All of these internal dialogues that we have, we're now having on a, in a platform, in a safe environment, which is amazing because one of us may be struggling with something today that the other person struggled with yesterday. And so I think professionally and personally for me, this, is, this community has opened my eyes so much across um, races and religions and subspecialties. I mean, I now have friends that are psychiatrists and cardiologists and and family practitioners, and friends that are African American and friends that are Muslim and friends that are that I would never have had if I had not opened up and realized that these struggles I'm having, they're having as well.
0: Okay. Hmm. So and you know, you kind of touched on this, but why do you think women in particular, even when so when so accomplished, deal with so much self-doubt? And how do you motivate and lift other women to raise above that self-doubt?
2: Well, I think part of it is how we are raised culturally. And I've been actually studying this a lot because I'm doing some writing in this um, area of, of um, gender disparities. And one of the things that I have recognized in my own life, because I'm a, I was raised a very high achiever. I think most physicians are. I, I don't know one physician female that's not a high achiever. Um, and um, I bet if Saba and I sat down, we probably have extremely similarities and a lot of in our childhood and how you know in our schooling and our education, etc. And one of the things that is interesting is that when we grow up as as children and women, um, we are really we, you know, we're trying to win those gold stars. We're trying to be the best in the class because that's how we become educated in advance. And so to do that, we tend to stay in our seats. We tend to raise our hands. I mean, I think about the best students in the class. Those are the mm-hmm. students that teachers love that, like, sit in their seats to sit in their seat, wait, don't interrupt, wait for everybody to finish talking, raise their hand, get the gold star. Um, where boys tend to, and, and they've done studies, you know, boys are kind of more rambunctious. They're a little more active. They've got all this energy, and I can say this because I have three of them at home. And um, they, they have no problems like interjecting or interrupting. They're just so excited. They have so much passion to say what they're going to do, and they get in trouble at school all the time for, their, for those types of things. But yet, at some point... In college, in early career, those characters, characteristics are extremely positive. And those become ex- allow men to excel, and they don't have any problem interrupting or coming up with a great idea. They don't have any problem if somebody, if there's like this job that may, they may have three of the 10 criteria, they, they are like, you know what? Dude, I can do that. But we as women are like, okay, we, we're going we're gonna to finish all 10 things on the application. We're going to maybe wait to raise our hand. Maybe we'll, we'll go into that. And then when we do kind of come out of the dugout sometimes, we are looked at very differently, and we look at ourselves differently. And so I think of a lot of it is just how we're raised um, culturally. And a lot of it is also that, I mean, let's be honest, we are different. Men and women, thank God, we are different because um, it, it actually, you know, is great to to have partners and, and colleagues that are very different from us as women. But We have a lot of other things we're nurturers we're we're givers and so we're feelers and so we have a lot of more responsibilities inside our head thinking about i mean just today i'm sitting here thinking okay did did asher remember to bring his water bottle to basketball today does is samuel going to get you know xyz i'm thinking about all these other things in my head and then the problem is we then feel guilty because we're like oh gosh we can't do. We can't be a CEO. We can't be a dean. We can't do this because we have all these other responsibilities. And so, sadly, women aren't in those positions as much as men. And sadly, the women coming up behind us don't have the ability to say, "I can do that," because she's doing that. She's the dean and she's got a family. She's the CEO and she's got a family. She's, you know, kicking butt doing this and has a and has a really active family life so that's what i'm trying to to change and that's what i'm trying to encourage is i want the women behind me that are coming up the younger women to say hey sasha's doing this I, and she's got four kids and a dog i can do it
1: <laughs> so <clears throat> how do you, how do you as as a woman uh, advance other women what are what are steps uh, that you generally take in in trying to to move other women to the next level or the next echelon
2: so to speak That is a great question, one I'm so glad you brought up. This is the one thing that I have had to do some major introspection, because if you asked me two years ago, you know, do you have bias against women? I would have, like, laughed at you and said, of course I don't have bias against other women. But the fact is I do. And I've had to, the more I've read, the more I realize this. And I have had to actively change my thought process and the way I engage with women in the workplace. The way I have done this is that I, the, the, the people you hear speak the most and you the people you hear standing on, at the front of a meeting or leading a meeting are are by nature going to be men. I mean, that's just the statistics. And so the people you assume or you know can lead or speak or engage or in a... In a You know, social group or social setting are men. So, what we have to do, what I've had to do, is I've had to step back, look around the room. When I see a woman um, trying to speak, I will reaffirm her. I will advocate for her. I will say, actually, Doctor, you know, Smith just stated this. Um, Can we let her finish her? her statement I, I'd like to hear more from her um, or I'll say um, actually I think Dr. Jones knows about this and I'll actually call women out <laughs> um, I've had women come up to me after meetings and say why did you do that to me and I'm like why didn't I? why can't I do that to you and you know um, you have something to say I know you're an expert on that topic so I have also, uh, also um, walked into boardrooms and I see women sitting around the edge I'll pull up a chair and say hey come, come sit up here um, I've had to strategically think about who I put um, in places and in positions. Do I always put, am I putting men in there just because I see men in other, those men in other positions or am I, am I assuming a woman doesn't want that job because maybe she just has, you know, a child or maybe I'm assuming she, she is overwhelmed, which I think I've done a lot in my career and I've had to change that. So if it came down to two things, I advocate and I affirm, and I empower women by putting them in the positions to succeed. If you don't give someone a chance to succeed, they, they, they will never be seen. They can have all the expertise and all the great speaking abilities and leadership abilities in the world, but if you don't put them in that position, they won't have the ability to do that.
0: Hmm. So true and so interesting. I um, kind of, I mean, just this whole conversation, especially learning differences, um, different gender differences between boys and girls. Um, there's some really interest. There's a, many interesting books on the topic. Um, there's a, oh gosh, I forgot the title, but Leonard Sachs, um, He's a pediatrician actually, and he also I think he has a PhD in like a in psychology too. But he talks about gender differences, and I believe it's in one of his books. I remember reading just um, the whole like self evaluation, and how a boy even young boys tend to over evaluate themselves like they tend to be overconfident and um, think that they're, you know, kind of over, what's the word, overestimate their abilities. Whereas um, girls often tend to be the opposite where they could have done a really good job or they could be totally capable, but they, you know, as you're illustrating, tend to kind of underestimate themselves. Um, Mm -hmm. So the differences in self-evaluation and you also brought up um, just kind of this idea of imposter syndrome. And I remember when I first um, heard about this, actually, it was my um, one of my best friends who I think she's listening. Sarah Mohideen, um, Dr. Mohideen, who's also um, she's a child psychiatrist and she um, she's amazing. And I think they were reading she was reading this book with uh, some in their uh, University of Michigan like an academic book club or something but it was the first time I heard about this and I was, and again I think this is for many women like wow there's a term for that and then you recognize like I remember exactly when I've felt this way um For me, it was um, finishing up my fellowship in child psychiatry, and I was like almost—it was like the last stretch of what I wanted to do and attaining my dreams. And you kind of—it's like this exactly this inner voice—and you're like, "Gosh, people are going to find out that I'm actually not really that smart, and I just kind (laughs) of got here—I just by luck or just got lucky, or other people didn't really apply for the position, so here I am. And it's um, really—I mean, it's—it's definitely funny thinking back on it because you're like it sounds so ridiculous but it's so it's so true and it's so real so um it,
2: it's very prevalent It and it's it's prevalent men have it too and and it's interesting because um the, they've actually looked at imposter syndrome in, in, and compared it to the level of, of degree and education. And the more education you have, the more imposter syndrome you
1: have. Oh yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely.
2: You know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. hilarious. It's like the more you, more educated, or the or the more leadership you have, the more imposter syndrome you have. And and it can be, it can be very uh, limiting self-limiting. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I fight with it all the time. And, um, even, you know, getting on this podcast, I'm looking up you and I'm looking up Calvin. I'm Googling both of you, you know, stalking <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> guys on Google. Oh, and I'm like, great. Oh my gosh, they want me to talk about these leadership issues. And they're like, both, you know, but doing all these things. I don't know what I'm, I don't even, I've never done a podcast. I'm like thinking all this. I'm like, okay, Sasha, just take a step back. Like, like you have to remember that, if you are suffering from imposter syndrome, it probably means that you're actually more than qualified to undergo yep. or undertake this situation.
1: It is kind of interesting that we're all uh, we're all equally intimidated by each other. I think that puts us all on equal footing. It's like, oh, okay, well, she's she's scared of me. I'm scared of her. Let's just let's just talk. Um, yeah, exactly. But that, that's so true. Like the the more the more educated you get. Again, I'm working. I'm working on my fourth degree right now. Second master's degree, but fourth degree all all told, and. I get invited to different spaces. I get uh you know, I get asked my opinion, my expert opinion on a bunch of things and I'll just be like I don't know. Why? I I, mean, I know, you know in the back of your mind why you're being asked. Like, oh, I have a question about African-American history, and that's what you majored in, Calvin. Oh, okay, that's why I'm being asked. But my teacher knows far more than I do but I've still got the degree there, but I still feel like, oh, you know, yes. I, mm-hmm. I, I could get this wrong, or I'm not really the right person to ask, when I am. I am. And so that, that imposter syndrome, yeah, definitely affects so many people. Yeah.
2: It
0: does. And it does. feeds into this anxiety, too, um, when you are, like, in front of people are speaking. I remember when I was younger, and I'm sure it's true for many people, it's like I didn't really care what people thought. And I just went up there and did my little speeches running for this or that. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, you're supposed to be more confident, supposedly, as you get older. And it's like I'm more and more anxious when I'm speaking in front of people. So something definitely you have mm-hmm. to kind of work on. So tell us... Um, how do we become brave enough? And, you know, and that's kind of the title of your conference and your blog to step out of our comfort zone, start conversations with other women, other women in medicine who share, who may share similar, similar struggles.
2: Well, you know, it's, it's really interesting because, um, I, uh, I think that, you know, all of us have this inner drive that, uh, I think everyone is born with this unique qualities that makes them who they are and what they bring to the world only they can bring. And you can call me, you know, that you can say that's cheesy or whatever, but it's really what I truly believe. And I think that there is a fine line between um, being successful, you know, the measurement of success professionally. I mean, right now I could just keep doing what I'm doing professionally in my job, and I people would look at my CV and say, oh, yep, that's successful. But for me personally, I knew I had to be brave enough, and that's why I called this movement and my website this, to step out of my comfort zone and into this realm of female um, empowerment and, and leadership and and really encouraging women. And I I think that if you... If you know me personally, you will know that this is actually very not <laughs> what I what I have envisioned for myself for years because I let other people define success for me. And I was good at it. And so when you're good at mm. something, it's really hard to leave it. It's like you're living in utopia and you're looking across the, at this dark, scary world and that's where actually you're called to go. And and you literally have to be brave enough to take that step of threshold out of the utopia world where you're finding success, where you've got a comfort life, you've got an income, you've got friends, you've got respect, and go. Okay, I'm I'm actually going to um, I'm actually going to leave this comfort and go into somewhere that I am terrified to go. And I, I mean, it's similar to what you're doing with this podcast, and I'm sure it was terrifying to you the first time you got on this. and and put this together and I'm sure you had a lot of thinking that oh my gosh I've built this career doing medicine or or doing whatever it is and how am I going to be viewed professionally and I can tell you the joy that I have is much more immense now than I had two years ago when I was wishing and hoping and maybe longing to do this Mm. stepping out of that comfort zone is terrifying and you do you will get um, you will get beat up I mean, you're going to have criticism, some good, some bad. And you're going to have people that are like, what are you doing? I mean, you're an NIH researcher. Why are you starting a Facebook group for women? Like, that's crazy. But, but I know that this is what I'm meant to do and what I'm called to do. And the joy that I have living in this other new world is so much more than I had before. And so I just want to encourage others to be brave enough, whatever it is. You know, maybe it's starting a new friendship with someone that you want to be friends with, but you're very culturally different. You don't know how to approach that person. Maybe it's a new job, a new career. Um, maybe it's, you know, a total change in going back to school. It's, it's a lot of things I think we get into as adults and we just say, well, this is where we're going. I guess I'll just keep going this way. So it's just being brave enough. And, and, and normally that, that requires someone else sometimes to just light that spark for you.
1: Now, it It's twenty seventeen now, and there's a lot of what I would consider to be uh, I guess denigration of of different genders changes from from one gender to another, and that's not what this this show is about. but uh you noted at the beginning of this uh of this podcast that men and women are different. there are just some there are some differences and and how we uh work things out in the culture what's appreciated what's not appreciated in the culture those are worked out differently along gender lines as well and so when you think about the CEO position the Fortune 500 people who are you know running those companies most of them are men uh they're aggressive that's okay and so on and so forth and you're talking about leadership among women which i think is uh i grew up in in a background where women led all the time and so to me, it's not a novel idea, but then when you get out in the world where it is, it's, it's kind of uh, strange. Uh, but noting those differences, how do you lead as a woman fully and not try to lead as a man? How do you bring those different, uh, I believe you use the words, uh, giftings? How do you bring uh, uh, female giftings, feminine giftings fully and not try to lead like Joe Schmo, um, but rather embrace your, your female qualities?
2: That is a a tricky and yet crucial element, I think, of being a female leader is you won't be at peace if you are not leading as who you are and what your gifts are. And some of those gifts are obviously going to be gender, gender related. And if you are a woman and all of your mentors in leadership and all the people you idolize and read about and look up to are men who lead in in very different ways than perhaps you would in some elements you're going to be continually frustrated and feel like you're failing because you're you're following that kind of template of leadership and so for me i have I've stopped saying, trying to divide my, myself, meaning I've stopped trying to say, well, okay, when I go into the hospital or when I go into the boardroom or when I stand up on a stage, I'm just going to be Dr. Sasha. I'm not going to talk about my family. I'm not going to talk about my kids. I'm not going to think about anything that is actually my number one priority in life. I'm not, I'm going to try to, you know, push that to the, to the wayside. And in fact, I recently Um, interviewed for a very large uh, position nationally. And when I went into the boardroom to give the Why Sasha presentation, I had removed all of you know, they asked me like, what's your passion and all this, and please present this on a slideshow. And I had removed all my family because I wanted to be seen as this really powerful woman, right? And that's like someone who is like cutthroat and, and, you know, hardcore and can like rub arms and elbows with the men and, and be strong. And so I removed every slide that had to do with anything with my kids or my family. And then 20 minutes before I went in there, they gave me a 30 minute break. I changed it. And I'm like, you know what? That is who I am. I am a woman. I am a mother. I am a wife. I, I do go on girls trips to Phoenix and go to the spa with my girlfriend. And that's okay. Okay. That's okay because I'm, you know what? I'm a really good listener when it comes to like people's problems and getting to know people. I can connect with people and that's because I'm a woman. Those are feminine, you know, qualities and I'm empathetic and I have a lot of other things that perhaps not all men, but a lot of men don't bring to the workplace and I do. And so I put those slides back in and I said, you know, I just want you to know if you hire me, this is what you're getting. You're going to get a soccer mom. You're going to get somebody that's going to go, you know. Just a second, um, I'll, I'll be back. I have to, I have to call my son who's getting ready to, like, you know, play a huge game that I'm going to miss. Um, or, but you're also going to get somebody that when I'm at home, it's on. It's the flip of that. When I'm at home, you know, I don't try to hide the fact I'm a doctor. My kids and my family know that. They know that I have a busy work life, and they accept that. They're okay with it. It's when I used to try to split who I was, I felt like I was a little bipolar. And now I just integrate that. So I integrate who I am as a woman, as a mother, as a wife in my job, but I also integrate that in my work, in my home life. And, and they, my kids know my leadership, um, responsibilities and they get it. So I think as women, we need to remember that it's okay to lead as a woman and not try to just replicate a template that a man has set for us.
0: Well, You know what? Um, I don't know if you're looking for a career change, but I feel like all that listening goes a little bit wasted when your patients are sleeping. (laughs) 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 I'm like, maybe you want to consider psychiatry.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No, but it was interesting. I used to watch, uh, uh, when I was in college, my dad, I was at University of North Carolina, and my dad was at UNC hospitals, and I was considering medicine. Sometimes they allowed me, I was able to, Shadow him, and I was really struck by actually anesthesia. So anesthesiology is so um, important, and probably the thing that parents or uh, families are most nervous about sometimes in procedures. And I was really struck by how um, comforting and gentle my dad was with uh, you know in pre-op in the pre-op area. So you still need people skills.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's kind of crazy because you meet your patients and you you literally take them back like the OR within, you know, ten or fifteen minutes. And and so you have about, you know, if you can if you recognize anxiety, which many of them have, you really have only a short amount of time to establish a very quick trusting relationship mm-hmm. like that basically says like I will keep you alive. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's so, so true. A challenge.
1: I, I have one more question though. Uh something something is a little off and on about this conversation for me. Uh it's been good and I've really enjoyed it, but I feel like I'm just going to go out on a limb here. Uh, we've had people on the show who come from various uh, faith-based backgrounds. Can I just ask you, are you a Christian?
2: I am. Okay, I'm. yeah. It's it
1: is. I can tell. I can tell, and and that's a beautiful thing, by the way. I, I just oh, well, thank so you. so then that's a huge compliment. Uh, the question that comes out of it. I mean, there were there were definitely some. Uh, some keywords. I was like, okay, I know uh huh. Yeah, I I see where we're going here. <laughs> um but sorry, what,
2: I couldn't hide it, could I? I'm no, and,
1: and you know what, a city on a hill can't be uh, cannot be hidden anyway. So uh the 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 question that comes out of this for me, and I've asked this of other people on the show, um, what role does your does your faith play in this? In in asking women to be brave in your day to day uh working as a you know, as a professional doctor and then also as a wife and a mother and, and all those things. What role does your does your faith play in all this?
2: Well, I'm actually really glad you asked me that question. Um, I struggled for a long time with starting this group, with doing this website, because part of me thought, oh, gosh, how is the Christian um, kind of, you know, how are my my Christian brothers and sisters really going to take this if I'm trying to, I'm being all like female empowerment, you know, because sometimes that's a you know, a liberal stance and um, and not really in, in conservative Christianity or mainstream Christianity. But then I went back to Christ. Um, and if I study Christ and I study the Bible, um, it is very clear to me that He has made me who I am. And uh, to be anything less than me uh, would be to deny Him um, the gifts He's given me. And so uh, at the end of the day, if I feel that I have Uh, spoken and encouraged women um, the way that Christ would, then I um, feel that I've, I've, I've been successful. And to me, that is loving people and loving people is empowering them, is encouraging them to take care of themselves. I mean, that's what, you know, God calls us to do is to love one another and to take care of, of each other and to take care of um, ourselves. And so, I struggled with it in the beginning, but um, I can tell you that I feel that what I'm doing is in line with the gifts that he's given me, and it, it's humbling, number one, and I need him. I need him because it's very easy to go online or to tell somebody what you're doing and get and get criticized, or on the flip side, it's very easy to go, oh, gosh, somebody, you know, 200 people liked this, mm. but at the end of the day, it's really about... Um, would Christ be happy with what I've done today and the message I'm sending? And and that's what keeps me grounded in my faith.
0: Okay, thank you. Well, I think that really speaks to the group, too. It's really been interesting, because we do have a really amazing and diverse group. Um, we do. and Yeah, and that's been really cool to see. We've got um, so I mean, uh, as you mentioned, different ethnicities and different religions. Actually, we just celebrated our holiday um our, as Muslims, at the end of Ramadan, we just um, so so um, Calvin. You know what we say is Eid Mubarak. Mm-hmm. So we, before it was Ramadan Mubarak, we well, saw probably all these yes, posts. I've on seen Facebook. a bunch of posts now. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was like your whole feed, right? <laughs> it
1: was like I was going. I didn't want to like what is Eid? I what, what is Eid? I don't I know. know what that part is. So just, <laughs> just educate me, and yeah, we can go from there.
0: So it was neat to see on our um, on our page um, just because um, that's part of the day is we wear new clothes and we dress up. Our kids dress up, um, and everyone posted kind of their Eid. You know, they get up and they're where and, and that differs also, cult, you know, depending on your cultural background, too. Um, so it's been really that I think that's really been a beautiful thing. And, and
2: and honestly, it has been the most that for me personally has been the most eye opening and changing to Sasha Shilkut. Um And I get really emotional when I talk about it, but um you know, I grew up. My I have a sister who is half Native American, half African American. Um, that my uh, parents adopted when she was a baby, and she's amazing, and I love her. And and, and um, I I just did not realize because even having a family member of a different race, um, I thought I understood a lot of things that I don't. Under- I realize now I'm not. I don't understand, and I am learning. And through this group and um, through the women in the group and the women that have reached out to me personally and said, you know, something that you said kind of um, felt not as inclusive or, hey, can, you know, or on the flip side, I've had several women reach out and say, thank you for including me and including us. And, and I've had women reach out and say, just so you know, I've never had a white friend and now I have a white friend. <laughs> 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 I've had women, I've had, and I've had women say, oh my gosh, I've only... I've, I'm, that Muslim women have, have private messaged me and said, I never thought I could post in a group my beautiful clothes that I love to wear. Um, and I'm posting them, and it's so awesome that these women are accepting it. And so it's almost like there's, we're breaking down some walls. Um, and personally for me, it has been amazing. That aspect has been amazing for me.
0: Well, wow, that's really, that, that's very telling. I think that's really powerful, um, power of, um, connectivity and the just in this day and age, the different kinds of relationships that you can build. And I think, and, and this day and age, there's so much divisiveness, but when yes. you find things that you have in common, um, and share and, and, um, open yourself up to a little bit of vulnerability too, it takes, you know, basically we're putting pictures of ourselves, um, And, you know, each other um, taking more time with self-care and, hey, I put this outfit together. And so it's like kind of – it's kind of like – did you ever watch What Not to Wear, Calvin? On TLC, why?
1: Come why on. would I watch the show? Because it was awesome. Okay, <laughs> did you ever watch it, Jess? Is it House Hunters? No, I guess it's House like Hunters? last I decade. I don't okay, know. I don't but know.
0: what was? Um, it's kind of like this group. What was amazing about the show? It's like you're, yes, you're talking about clothes, and that might seem kind of like superficial, but
1: I was know what not to wear, so I don't need I don't need fashion tips from <laughs> no, anybody. No. That's but the thing. this
0: was a great show because it was like a therapy session in an hour because it wasn't just about the clothes. Every person that went on there, they would eventually kind of get down to the nitty gritty of like why are you hiding yourself why are you not what are you hiding and why aren't you taking this time to um take care of yourself look good show the world like what you have to offer mm-hmm. and every person that was on there many times they would break down in tears because they real they were vulnerable and they kind of realized that there were certain barriers that they put up for a reason so, so it was it, really was, it, was, a it, was therapy it like session.
1: undercover boss where the boss would always <laughs> meet somebody who like their family member was going oh. through the like the worst thing. ever. oh, your mom has cancer. That's so sad. Kind we're, of. Oh, okay, I so it was the always show, kinda like, the skin. Yeah. Okay, right. so
0: it's like it's about fashion and style and what we have, on, what we're wearing on the outside, but it's so much deeper than that too. I,
1: I like, I think this whole idea of of the group, um, the connectivity. Uh, you know, I, I do wish, you know, as a, as a man, I do wish that there were certain things like that for men because men aren't allowed to be vulnerable. Men mm. aren't mm-hmm. allowed. You know what I've one of the best days of my life was with my wife. We went and got uh, couples massages. Like, we we don't get to talk <laughs> awesome. about doing that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah, I would love to right, do that. Right. Uh, don't need the mani-pedi, but I will take the massage. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> Some but, men do that. <laughs> but I, I wish that there were spaces um, for, for men. Cause, I mean, most of the world is already for men, so I guess that's why the spaces don't exist. But I wish there were... <clears throat> spaces that existed like this uh that could allow for vulnerability uh to ask the questions where guys don't have to be strong we don't have to be aggressive can can Mm. i can i talk about hey look my my kid's screwing up at school and i don't know what to do right now i'm trying to hold down work and and you know hold down the fact that my kid might be adhd and how do i deal with those kinds of things Mm. and there i just don't think those those spaces um exist or if they do i don't i don't know where they are or where to find them and and
0: celebrating and appreciating feminine qualities in both men and women you know it's like (laughs) yeah men that are sensitive (laughs) and uh, in touch with their feelings can you know i mean that's like so valuable and but we try not to we we kind of downplay it
2: yeah you were saying well and and it's and it's also you know i know i have sons and um you know it's it's hard it's hard to be a a a boy when you're, you know, you just lose a big game or you, you miss a shot or you you feel like you left your team down on this or you didn't make this team or that team. And, and the world's kind of telling you like, you can't have any emotion about this. You Mm -hmm.
0: can't, you can't
2: struggle with this. You can't talk, you know, and, and, um, you're kind of trying to hold it all together in front of everybody, but inside you're totally bummed, you know? And, and it's interesting because, you know, my daughter, if she doesn't make something or she misses something, it's totally socially acceptable for her to cry at during a game or after a game, right? But my sons, who work just as hard and put just as much effort into their, their activities, that's not okay. Like, they can't do that, right? Nope. So you, you do that at the uh, highest
1: level. Like, I mean, you'll, you'll watch, I, th- I think, uh, yeah, LeBron James, his team, the Cavs, they, they lost to, mm-hmm. uh, to the Golden State Warriors, and I was totally fine with that. I was fine, um, but uh, the obviously, the, the guys on the Cavs, you, you saw some of them crying, and then the next day, all these memes come out, because that's not acceptable. All these memes, oh, they're just a bunch of crybabies. Like, you're at the pinnacle of your sport. <laughs> right, you get all the way right. there, and then you lose that. Like you're saying, you're putting your heart, your soul, your mind, and your body right. into all this stuff, and then... You're not rewarded. And if you're a man and you cry, you're a crybaby. But yeah, as you said, you know, if you're a woman, it is 100% it's okay. socially acceptable mm-hmm. to do yep. it. Right. Yeah,
0: and right. I try to be exactly. really cognizant of that. Like, stay away from the, kind of those expressions like, don't cry. And I mean, I want my boys to, same thing, be able to express themselves. Because as psychiatrists, I know that if they don't help, you know, express it in a healthy way, then it's going to come out in other ways.
2: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, great conversation yeah. today, guys. Yeah, so, I your, day. Yeah. <laughs> so I can't believe.
0: So this is your first podcast. So I'm like super excited that I'm honored that it, you, it is. You know.
2: I've I've had well, I've done a, a podcast for um, anesthesia, but not for what this is. You know, so what we're talking about today and kind of the different place my career is going. And so I was totally terrified. So I'm really excited that you you guys are so easy to talk to and that you welcomed me with. Uh, uh, grace and open arms, because I'm sure I I said probably I talked too much or too fast.
1: Oh, you're fine. No, no. As a matter of fact, I'm gonna I'm gonna invite you back for uh, for an episode of my show here. You'll you'll probably be getting an email from me later today. Awesome, <laughs> <laughs> love what you're awesome. doing. Love what you're doing.
0: Wow. Well, thank you so, so much for being here, Sasha, taking, again, time out of your busy Dr. day. Dr. Sasha. Dr. Sa- well, she's my friend, so I don't have to say that. But, <laughs> but no, I'm super excited. Um, to ha- I'm so humbled and honored um, to be able to share your voice, your story, your narrative, Um, and, you know, just really be able to share kind of these gems and really interesting points that we talked about that, again, are important, crucial for men and women for women and men as we kind of um, rounded off talking about raising boys too um so thank you so much and thank you to our listeners i think we do have some live listeners today so thanks for tuning in and um please go back and um, check out our previous episodes and if you like what you're hearing then subscribe or like our facebook page we're on soundcloud stitcher um google play Play. you can't keep up um, and really, I again, it really would encourage you to share, share with your friends, share with your coworkers, because um, you know just, and that's what's amazing. Even in today's conversation, you know, we're talking about one thing, but it really comes it really comes back down to connectivity and inclusivity and building bridges. I think that's like a, the biggest things, breaking down barriers, building bridges, and I think we can only do that with conversation and. Sometimes opening ourselves up and being a little bit vulnerable, but being able to willing to share stories. So thank you again, Sasha. Um, Thank you to all our listeners. Thank you, Calvin. Thank you, Jess. And we'll see you next time on another episode of Unsung Heroes.